Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Religion would not even be an issue except for the Bible. Before we get carried away, let's read our Bibles now. I can assure you there are millions of Christians who did not take parts of the Bible literally. Forfeit all claims to your own authority. Stand without apology on the only authority that matters, which is the authority of God himself entrusted to us in his word. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The doctor is in. This is Wretched Radio. One Gregory Gifford, Ph.D. from Masters University, also the host of Transform, the TV show and podcast, which I've been urging you to start downloading and listening to and benefiting from, happens to be with us in studio. Greg, you're looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, it's been an easy day of fun, calm work with you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Wretched. We were just over in the TV studio, did four TV episodes. You did an episode of Transformed, and you did a bunch of stand-ups. And we've got a dinner meeting. You're young, you whippersnapper. Lord, of course. Keep up, would you? I got to tell you, face-to-face, your Transformed podcast, it is the bomb diggity. Absolutely. Thank you for your kind words. One of the finest podcasts out there. And I say that confidently, having never listened to any other podcast from anybody ever. But I am still persuaded yours is the best. You are a biblical counselor. You teach it at the Masters University in, uh, oh, yeah, it's California. It was, it used to be a part of America. California. Is that how you say it? It's the Republic of California. Exactly. That is right. Even your logo looks like a little. It could be a little <laughs> Soviety. You're you're teaching biblical counseling there, and right now you've got an undergrad, graduate, and a doctoral program That's in right. biblical counseling. There can't possibly be that much to learn. Go ahead and hit that ball right off that tee. So one edition is online as well. So we do in person, online, and mod. You know what? Okay, I just did the commercial. That's not what I was asking for. I was. I wanted. I. I just did a drive. I wanted it went into the woods. It was a slice (laughs) deluxe. It was. It was sort of like Jordan Spieth on the third day of any tournament. You just shanked it, is what you did. I'm talking about the depth of biblical counseling. Is there seriously? Is there that much to be learned you could get a doctorate? At each level, you grow in your proficiency. So initially, you're just kind of figuring out where the mountains are, and then you're actually becoming an expert in the mountains as you progress. So is there that much to learn? Yes, if you're including not only the practice, but also the theory side. Yes, absolutely. All right. You are going to help us today. When I say us, I'm talking about myself. I need some help. And so you are going to walk me through a biblical counseling session, and we're going to identify what it is that you're doing, right? Yep. So day one. Yep. Day one, we meet. You... No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, you're oh no, no, no. Going. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. Right. This is going to be a role play. Hi. Hey. No, you're supposed to be the ah, biblical right. counselor. Ah, I'm kind of the Come sheepish on. counselee. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um. Well, I'm here, aren't I? Yes, you are. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me. I know that's not always easy to do. Ah, so you're being sympathetic, are you? Empathetic. Which one is it? Were you kind of walking along, so you're, you're relating to my distress a bit. Yeah, probably more empathetic, hopefully, but yes. Okay. And the, Passionate. And, and the point of that would be what? Well, first of all, I want to honor the Lord in the way I treat you, but to gain a relationship with you in which you trust me. Yeah, that's kind of important. because. If you just download a bunch of data, it does it doesn't relate. So you you start out by building a relationship, and then is it a series of questions that all end with? And how does that make you feel? Uh, no, we'll also rotate and tell me about your father. <laughs> sort of stuff. No. <laughs> we, no, but do see that question asking is an important part of us learning who you are. All right. So we want to we want to ask questions that pertain to the reason why you're coming for counseling. You know what I think was the best part of Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer book by Paul Tripp. I get the two mustaches confused all the time. Was his section on question asking. Right. Do you recall that? The no section, the love, no speak, do. I think it's the no section. K-N-O-W. Ah, there. Because I'm like, what? What are yeah. you talking about, Willis? 
Yeah, get that you ask questions that actually bring it out. So for it, you know, I come in, I'm a little sad. What sort of questions would you use to start to open me up? And I'm I'm asking this not just for a primer on biblical counseling, but with my kids, with my spouse who's maybe appearing a little bit blue. How can I be the bucket that goes down into the well of their heart and pulls things that are helpful up? You have to grow in your ability to ask questions and not close-ended questions, but open-ended questions that are doing exactly what you just described, which is drawing out what is happening in the inner person. Those open-ended questions are going to be, what's going on? Can you help me understand what's happening? What are you thinking about? Um, in in your perspective, is this taking place? Okay, yes. Now help me understand what that looks like. And just getting into that habit of open-ended questions to draw out. And if a person is unwilling to answer questions, that's a separate conversation. But most people, that's why they're coming to a biblical counselor is they want some help. So you're just trying to prime them a little bit. For family, especially family that's open to us asking questions, kids in this case, yeah, we're getting into that habit of saying, yeah, tell me more about that or help me understand what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. How does that look personally? See, that's really hard for me because I know the solution immediately. <laughs> so I have to be a little bit patient. Okay, wait a second, though. We're talking teenagers here and you know what you're going to hear. Whatever. I'm fine. Dad, just let it be. How, how do I? Maybe I can't do anything to break that down. What do I need to do so that I can have entrance to actually ask important questions that get answered? It's funny because there are people that are just inherently difficult to communicate with. And sometimes, this is not true for all teenagers, but there are some teenagers that communication is not their number one game. So it, it seems like you almost have to have a willingness to communicate at all times. And as soon as they offer a crack, a little entry gate is the way Paul Tripp describes it then you now have to move into that gate whenever it's open to you. And most of the time it's after nine o'clock at night, it seems like. It's, what is he? I know he says that, and I've heard that before. What what kind of zodiac voodoo are you prescribing here? This willingness to listen at late hours of the night, that prescription? Yeah. What is it about the evening that opens up a kid? You know, I wonder that as well. And I wonder why my mind is shutting down about the time. I know. I, my son's yeah, is starting. <laughs> and I think, Lord, give me wisdom and grace to... Yeah, the kitchen conversations, that that can happen. Food doesn't hurt. But if if my child is just constantly blocking me, wouldn't that be a sign I probably have some other things that need to be worked on? Yeah, so you're... You need to talk into the microphone. Oh, sorry, Are you sorry, new sorry, to this? You're, you do a podcast. I'm dancing. All right. Yes, you would see this as, okay, I am not going to have an intimate, in-depth conversation with my teen if we have zero other communication in our life. So to your point, is there a breakdown in our relationship? Well, yes, there is a breakdown. If we can't talk about basic things, then what makes me think that mm. I can go into the deep end of the pool in this conversation? So how can we cultivate on-ramps for general communication, mutually enjoyable times, sports, hobbies, things like that, so that we can actually move to the deep end when necessary and then also move back and not stay in the deep end all the time and completely tax each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about homework, for instance. You got any homework? No, I'm all done. You're sure you're done? Yep. Okay. Wait a second. You could go deeper to know what the homework was, how they feel about the homework. Just cultivating communication on a different level, because you're right. You you can't just dive into the deep end of emotions. But that's true in every relationship when you think of it that way. What friend do you have that you only talk about very, very deep things with? And you have no other common interest. That's easy. Jimmy. Absolutely. I feel the same way, Jimmy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So I'm coming into your counseling session. Sorry, we just just went down a rabbit hole for a moment. But I come into your counseling session. You're going to develop a relationship with me. You're going to ask questions. Most of the biblical counseling cases, can you, do you use that word? Cases? What's? Sure. Okay. Okay. Cases are sin issues versus just needing some wise counsel issues. Or one other category of, depends on how you want to split sin. Is it 
sin or suffering. So it's not always that this person is sinning. Sometimes a person's being sinned against mm, in that way. Right. And then other times, like you've mentioned, it's it's just general counsel from God's word. There's not necessarily a repentance issue. It's that you have to get someone maybe a little bit more skilled than you in God's word to connect the dots for wisdom on what to do next. Yeah. So it's a kind of a combo platter because we have, I think, we have a tendency to think counseling, oh, it must be some sort of mental or emotional issue. And it certainly can be, but it can just be untangling a ball of twine called life right. and needing an outside perspective. Right. And many times I'm even seeing generational differences. Our younger generations are the kind that go to counseling for seemingly less sin, problem-oriented stuff. They just kind of want help or want to reflect on things with God's word. And an older generation would actually wait till there's a crisis before you reach out. Mm, there's, there's a different attitude about our That's emotions, great. isn't there? Dr. Greg Gifford, he is the host of Transformed, both the TV show and the podcast. I plead with you, start downloading that podcast. Dude, you got over like 5,000 subs on your podcast. It's growing. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Good. A little more enthusiasm. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's that's the Greg Gifford whoop-de-doo that I just heard there. We will be back with the sublime Greg Gifford next on Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 405 A.D. After 23 years of work, translating from Hebrew and Greek manuscripts, Jerome completes the Latin Vulgate version of the Bible that becomes the standard for the next 1,000 years. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. All the way from Savannah. Ask me how I know. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Greg Gifford, host of Transform the TV Show and uh, the amazing podcast. You're from um, Sarasota, Santa Monica. Where exactly are you from? The one and only Savannah, Georgia. Oh, that's what I've heard you say on your podcast. You know what? It's it's kind of become a it's kind of like a non drinking game here because we wouldn't do that. Of course, will Greg mention his hometown is Savannah this week? <laughs> uh, okay, well you know what you I'm must like you here's any more personal. You details. must you must like Savannah <laughs> a lot, but you live in California. You know we could use guys like you over on this coast. I'm just saying, not that I'm gnashing my teeth or anything, Doctor Gifford. I was pondering what or oh, what should we discuss because there are so many biblical counseling issues that we can dive into. But Jimmy, I think, has provided us the perfect subject matter: needy people. <laughs> what was it that you said during the break, I, handsome? I just thanked you guys, appreciated uh, the credit that you gave me for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I work really hard on it. <laughs> All right. If there's a needy person in my life, what might be the cause of that? <laughs> I don't know anyone personally that is needy. However, I would say that ultimately neediness is driven by an over-dependency on people. And yes, as we break that down, as we've talked about on the show, on the podcast, neediness from people typically is stemming from Fear of man. Okay. I'm with, on behalf of Jimmy, because if he doesn't speak up for himself, Jimmy. Yeah. Because I know you're needy. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and defend you here. I I, I depend on you a lot, Todd. May, <laughs> maybe it's a relational issue. Like like Jimmy's been working really hard. I haven't recognized his sacrifice and his efforts and his faithfulness. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. Is that a possibility? Yes, absolutely. But it's not in this case. Oh, in a hypothetical situation. Yes. Yes, of course. But right. You guys obviously know. It's Jimmy. That's the issue. Okay, so it's, you said it's a fear of man problem? Think of neediness in a relationship as I need you to approve of me, affirm me, to make me okay. Mm. That's neediness. In the end, whatever you want to call it. Text me back, call me back, invite me out, reciprocate gifts, but I need you to affirm me in order for me to be okay. Okay, that's a little bit hard to swallow. Now, I, I just let me just try this again, because, for instance, children, like even young kids, like a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, who's who just wants mommy's attention because she's always on her cell phone. I mean, hypothetically. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean they're being sinfully needy, does it? Right, right. And we could say that we desire respect or we desire appreciation or we desire kind words from individuals. But in the end, what makes us okay is not that from individuals. It's that from the Lord. Okay. The affirmation of the Lord. So as that child progresses and if mom never reciprocates or she's absent-minded or she's always working or whatever it is, in the end, what would we counsel that young student to do to find their ultimate approval and affirmation in God through Christ? But that has to be cultivated, and that takes a lot of work, and that maybe takes a long time to do that. If, if I'm a needy person, what what would be my prognosis? How long is this going to take before I stop needing the praises of men? Well, if you're looking for victory, and if you're measuring this by have you been healed of it, I think you are going to be disappointed because it's most likely going to be that you're progressively set apart from it, but there is no deliverance of it. In fact, you may experience it in different ways for the rest of your life, but progressive change is what the Bible is all about. Mm -hmm. All right. Could you just, excuse me, just for one minute, I want to be amazing for a moment. Jimmy, the yeah. Transform podcast, dude, the blood, sweat, and tears you put into that brilliant work. You're incredible, dude. It's too late, times. <laughs> all right. Here's what I'm wondering. If, if, <laughs> if, 
being needy is desiring the praise of men. I'm wondering about conversely, another type of person who never says a flattering thing, never gives a compliment, an encouraging word. What's going on in that heart? That heart is equally functioning. First of all, it's not like that heart is failing to function. When a person is failing to consider others and say, you know what, a word of appreciation or telling my spouse I love them right now or telling my child good job, that heart is going to be something maybe concerned with their own comfort or they're not taking the additional steps to care for other people. They're doing what's easy to them. And that heart may be perfectly at peace with not receiving any praise from anyone, but they're letting their own comforts begin to be what they're driven by. So it's uncomfortable to say, you know what? You did a really good job on that. You know what? Thank you for that. So that heart has to start to say, well, in the end, I may actually have to do things that are uncomfortable for me, like telling people how much I appreciate them or telling my spouse I love them or doubling back with my kids and reminding them of the good job that they're doing. Something along that. Now, does that mean that every heart is is motivated by comfort that is expressing itself in a lack of respect or kind words. No. But if you give in to what's natural to you, most likely it's your own comfort. Um, what about fear of man? I'm thinking, I, I don't want to say something good about you because that could mean that you're better than me and I think I'm better than you. Something like that. Or pride. I don't, yes, I was about to say, or pride of not wanting to acknowledge that you are good and that you're doing something great or that I'm thankful for you because that might insinuate that you're better than me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that. Yeah, I'm inferior, whatever it is. Right. Which is, which is why you need to speak somebody's love language. Yeah, what's yours, Todd? I have no idea, Greg. I'll speak it. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what it is, let's, let's keep you mum, if you don't mind. Somebody actually the other day, somebody asked about love languages sure. and his needs, her needs. I and I, I know Bill Harley. So that aside, he's, he's a really nice man. He's a psychologist or psychiatrist. The basic premise is figure out what your spouse really digs. Do that. Then she'll figure out what you really dig and she'll do that for you and you will have mutual satisfaction. And my take on that is that's not Christian. Christianity is. What do you need? How can I fill that need? How can I help regardless of what I'm going to get back? Was my analysis of the love languages accurate? I would add just one, one addition. And I, and so, cause you have to win. Go ahead. Yes. Um, in the end, I do think it is inaccurate because in the end, if I say I can only be spoken to in this way, otherwise I don't hear you. That is extremely problematic. And any long-term relationship is going to suffer when you say, you have to talk to me in this way, and that's the only way I can receive communication. David Pallison said, biblical love is multilingual. I learn how to speak to you. I learn how to speak to others. I learn how to receive love from you. I learn how to receive love from others. So in that way, yeah, if I'm saying you have to talk to me this way, agreed, not Christian, wrong, unbiblical. And it actually turns into demands, which, as Ken Sandy would say, escalates to me punishing you if you don't do what I wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's James 4. James isn't, 4. Yeah. The way. Sliding down. Mr. Peacemaker, right? Mm-hmm. What's the difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper? Hmm. I don't know. How would you define peacekeeper? You're asking me. <laughs> you know the answer. Peacekeeper is somebody who will just, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm going to keep the peace because I know she's going to blow up if I bring up the way she yes. parks the car in the garage. So I'll just let it be. Okay. A peacemaker says, no, I'm going to dive in and it might get, you know, a little, mm, we're going to have to work through that, but we're going to make peace. Got it. I, so I understand. Didn't that. you read his book? It's a really good book. I thought it was peace faker. So <laughs> we say peace faker. That's what I'm hearing you say here. So that's not making peace at all. It's brushing it under the rug. Right. And oftentimes it's motivated by, I worship peace, not Jesus Christ. And I'll do anything to mm. peace instead of seeing this as I need to please the Lord. And at times, temporarily, other people may not appreciate the fact that I spoke the truth in a gracious and loving way. 
and yet I still honored Christ. Right. So it's idolatry. Idolatry of peace. Wow. And then you don't even get peace in the end. You get more relational tumult. There's, there's the irony. If you don't do it right with the right motivation, you're not going to get the very thing that you seek. That's right. Which is actual peace. That's irony right there. Perhaps you can smell it wafting through. Dr. Greg Gifford, he's not the smell wafting through. Although it's been a pretty long day for you. It be me, son. Yeah, it could be a little bit, both of us. Dr. Greg Gifford, he is the host of the Transform TV show. We are in the process of actually shooting season three, if you haven't seen seasons one and two, and considered availing yourself of the Sunday School Guide. It's an outstanding resource. And don't forget about that podcast where we cover subjects like help, I'm stuck, transformation of your words, listening to understand, keeping current, and so much more. We'll begin tackling all of those next with Dr. Gifford on Wretched Radio. Books of the Bible. First and Second Kings relate the history of Israel from Solomon through the division of Israel into two kingdoms to the destruction of both kingdoms. Though Israel and Judah and their kings were often unfaithful, God continually calls His people to repentance through His prophets. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Passive-aggressive without the passive part. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy throwing daggers at the good... He's company man. We don't have... I thought we could have secrets around here, Todd. (laughs) There are no secrets. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Greg Gifford in studio being reminded that his Transform podcast segments are to be... 11 minutes, said the producer of the program repeatedly. And not 1230. <laughs> <laughs> I am deeply sorry. See, it's better to edit yourself than to have him do it. Trust me, <laughs> you want to choose the words that you delete, not True. not Jimmy. Dr. I Gifford, trust Jimmy. Speaking of your podcast, your masculinity podcast, which just wrapped up, was really good except for one attribute that you didn't tackle despite a friend sending you a text encouraging you to deal with oh and you don't remember what i asked it's okay my love bank has just been depleted and you're not making me happy semnus yeah explain this to me semnus you seem to remember when i texted it to you dignified that a young man should be dignified said titus old men should be dignified everybody's supposed to be dignified would you consider that one of the attributes of being a biblical man if by that we mean respectable other people can look at you and you earn dignity through your conduct yeah but if by that we mean i wear a three-piece suit a top hat and i have these customs and courtesies that correspond to Western life. No, I don't think that we have to be Westernized to be true biblical. No, but okay. But, but I agree with that, that clothes don't make you genuinely dignified, but there are some clothes that you would say are more dignified than other clothes. And contextually inappropriate as well, more than dignity, but now even inappropriate or sinful. Yes, of course. Yeah. That it's maybe, okay. We're on the clothing thing here, which Everybody agrees with. There's never a disagreement about clothing, especially when it comes to going to church. There's, everybody's happy about it. That as you get older, presenting yourself in a way that speaks, I'm not a child anymore. Right. I'm mature. I don't chase after childish and frivolous things. It can be communicated through clothing. I tell my students at Masters that if they want to be treated as a child, then they just should wear flat sole shoes, ripped up jeans, a t-shirt to their jobs. And over time, what they're going to realize is that people are treating them according to their, their dress standards, and they have to earn with greater diligence respect because they've kind of put themselves at a deficit in that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you dress in a way that's not flashy, it's not distracting, it communicates a level of discipline and attention to detail. Then, yeah, I, I do think in that way, including this being true for men, 
that you are going to earn a level of respect simply based off the way you're carrying yourself. So what I heard you say is wear a suit and tie to church. Did I get that right? Uh, no, let me say it all over. Okay. Well, I'll just rewind the tape if you don't <laughs> mind. All right. Some of the attributes of being a biblical man, Semnus would be, there's anything that tells us how to behave really is about being a biblical man, because being a man isn't about how much you bench press. Being a man is how much you look like Jesus Christ. So wouldn't you say that really any any admonition, any command imperative in the in the New Testament would be how to be a man? To a degree, yes. But I would also say there are commands that are distinct for men and not for women. All right, let's hear some. Courageousness. Aha. Uh-huh. The movie. <laughs> You are acting unmanly if you're not courageous. Meaning I need to jump in front of a locomotive to stop it from hitting a farmhouse? Meaning if you're in a circumstance and there's you and a female, not your wife, not a daughter, and you allow her to become your human shield, you're acting in a way that is unmanly. Why? Because the Lord has called you to be strong and courageous as a man. To act like a man, 1 Corinthians 16, is inherently to be courageous. Mm-hmm. Could I, in any way, shape, or form, extrapolate that and apply that to the military? Military service would be an expression of that. Um, and maybe even those who were conscientious objectors to fighting and refused to carry a gun could also be an expression of courage. Because combat is not the equivalent of courageousness, yet obviously it's a place where it's clearly demonstrated. All right. But I'm, 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 what I was getting at is, should it be the men that go marching as to war? Ooh, this is a dicey one. I don't think so. Should it be that the men are the only ones who can go? No. That's what you're asking. Okay. But are you saying to, be, to be clear so that somebody doesn't try to make the argument by the exception, can women serve in support of? Absolutely. Should they be the ones on the front line taking the bullets? No. That's, that's dude work. My opinion on that, and people have asked me about this as a veteran, is that whatever the qualifications are for infantry, mm-hmm. if a woman decides to apply for the infantry, mm-hmm. then the same requirements for a man mm-hmm. should be applied to a woman, mm-hmm. and she should be given that opportunity to fight. Does that mean that she has to or should? No, it doesn't. But it means that if she would like to pursue that, she can. There's nothing that inherently disqualifies her from the in, the infantry. Well, being being skilled. But we're talking about from a Christian perspective, should men be okay with women going out and taking the bullet? Women and not them? No. So let's let's them distil- and women. Let's distill it down. We're in our house we hear a window smash. Who is the one that should get up and go check what smashed that window? The male is the one who should get up. Okay. And if you're like, okay, I'll wait here, honey, while you go look. If I said that to my wife, you go check it out and let me know. I am acting in a distinctively unmanly way. Right. All right. So that's the lesser. The greater would be a nation. Somebody smashes the window on the country. Who has to go. Should go. Sure. If you're using that as as should, then yeah, I would say yes. Then there are, there's a draft that takes place or a voluntary enlistment and men go. Okay. Because we were very close to having a disagreement, you and I, and you know what that means, don't you? We must be enemies. And I'd have to blog nasty things about you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. Wait till the next Transform podcast. (laughs) Jimmy, take care of it. I'm going to help you. (laughs) That, that does tend to be, um, a bit of a prevalent challenge in the evangelical blogosphere world that we can lovingly disagree on things. Oh, yeah. Hey, I thought you were talking about the women okay, at okay. work. Oh, no, no, no. Let, okay. Biblical counselor, man. When we see people online that get rather, well, let's just say snarky toward another Christian over what is a secondary or tertiary issue, um, what's what's going on? What's the issue that is causing somebody to be kind of uh, divisive, if you will? 
Do you believe that social media is the best place to express disagreement, number one? Um, I, I personally don't think it is. It's such a concise word count. There's no nuance. It's two statements, and often people don't want to hear nuance. So number two, what's going on? Maybe just the lack of awareness, lack of communication skills, maybe just the personal irritation towards that topic and they're taking it out on you. I mean, honestly, like you're probably more well-versed in receiving some of those criticisms than I am on what, what you believe to be the contribution of the heart there. Well, I, I, you know, I think you're right about social media playing a big role in it because let's just most likely, for instance, you're going to podcast over there about the role of women in the military. I'm going to podcast over here and we're kind of coming at it maybe slightly different and, and being clear on some words like should or would. And I don't know you. So what do I do next week? Ginsu knifeya because I don't know you. And, and I think that we're set up to, I, I think social media is a lot like cable news. It's just set up for the fight. Mm. And so I, I think social media does contribute a lot to that because now having said that, I do believe that there is a danger of compromising when you do get to know somebody. Agreed. You're overly eager to maintain the unity and unwilling to actually speak something that's truthful. And you can put your finger on the text in the Bible and say, this is why this matters. Mm -hmm. So relationship is important, but at the same time, you do have to be a little bit careful that the relationship doesn't supersede right and speaking truth and maintaining your position. And one of the things that I think is also important is, do you have a rubric for what you're willing to disagree about and what you're willing to overlook? Because there, if you just are going to disagree about every minor opinion that you have and someone else disagrees with, honestly, I think you're going to be in battle the whole time. Yeah, you're, you're going to be A.W. Pink. Really? Was he a... Oh, yeah. One of those? Yeah. And he, it was, it's interesting because he's great to read, yeah. but he had no friends and he didn't belong to a church. Because he couldn't find a church that was good was enough. Good, pure enough. And and I don't want to be A.W. Pink in that regard. But on the other side, we have to know there are certain absolutes of our faith that are worth disagreeing. Abs- absolute, but you got to know the difference. Dr. Greg Gifford, the host of Transformed, the TV show, and the podcast, which I commend to you. We will continue talking like men next on Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend your time with us as we soak in the truth and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm inviting you to become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, because when you join us as a gospel partner, you play a crucial role in ensuring that the message of our Lord Jesus Christ reaches the hearts and transforms the lives of people all over the globe. Think about it. Your support means that we can keep bringing you the daily biblical buffet we produce here at Wretched But it also means that you're actively participating in the Great Commission by standing firm together with us. And really, all you have to do is just take a quick look at the world to know that it's time we stand firm together and hold fast to the truths of the gospel. So would you please prayerfully consider becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner? Just head over to Wretched.org slash donate if you have any questions at all about becoming a gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 
Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. Do you think God explodes with anger when you sin? Remember the word impassibility. It means that God is without passion. His affections, such as wrath, anger, and love, are always foreknown, voluntary, and controlled. And they are always consistent with God's unchanging nature. And His wrath has been settled on the cross. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, wait, the Master's University, the Master's Academy International, could it possibly be... This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Greg Gifford of the Masters University. Any relation to the Masters Academy International? Absolutely. Closely connected. Closely connected because the Masters Academy International, down the street from Masters U, you guys are in, wow, Newhall? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Give me the bigger city that it's in. Santa Clarita. That's what I thought I was going to say, Santa Clarita. All right. Well, the Masters Academy International, they're actually housed at Grace Community Church with the Masters Sem. We, you maybe don't, well, that's where they're located. Trust me. I've been there. I trust you. Didn't you get invited? I'm sorry to hear that. You know what? It's probably in the mail. Yeah, probably. They give you really nice pens. (laughs) Really nice pens. I think it's that ballpoint thing that, that MacArthur and Lawson have going on about writing out their sermons. It's kind of a little cultish, but that's what it is. So at the Master's Academy International, you don't know this. We're trying to send 10,000 MacArthur Study Bibles to the Philippines. Did you know that? I did hear that, actually. Oh, cool. So we're, that's what we're, and we're getting really, really close. So if and you can perhaps get us to 10,000 or even more, the MacArthur Study Bible distributed to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines who are in good churches, but they can't afford a study Bible we would like to bless them. If you can participate in that blessing, visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible. Talking about, and this, it just seems, can you think of three more qualified individuals to talk about masculinity than Greg Gifford? You know, this is a really bad idea. This is a really <laughs> you bad put me in it. idea. All right. You did a wonderful series on your podcast about biblical masculinity. Being courageous is one. Here's another one that stuck out to me. Hard work. That's a that's a godly attribute of a man. And not only is it a godly attribute of a man, I'm going to say, okay, think of manhood 13 and up. So we're not just talking about once you turn 18, you learn hard work. That you're acting in a way that is unmanly when you are being lazy. Because laziness means that you're now depending on others to provide for you. And you should be able to eat your own bread, to use the biblical term. Eating your own bread, working hard so that you can provide not only for yourself, which is it's pretty basic for a male. You should be able to provide for yourself. But the Lord uses men to not only provide for themselves, but to also provide for others. So that man should feel that they're at step one, ground level zero, when they're able to provide for themselves. But their call is to not only provide for themselves, but to provide for others that are around them. Now, you said something on your podcast that caught my ear, because I suspect some people went, hey, pal, that number is arbitrary. You said something like, you're 20, you're 22 years old, and you're relying on mom to deal with, yeah, like paying the bills or de- doing adulting, you say you ain't acting like a man. You're going to stick by that? Yes, I will. I will hold fast to that one. 
I actually think that by the age of 22, if you haven't learned how to work hard, you're, you're cruising for a bruising, mister, because you're not going to snap into it at 23 and 24. And if you're not careful, you're going to develop a character trait of being lazy that's going to be, apart from God's spirit changing you, you will be a lazy man. So yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that. You know, help, me, help me out with this because it's something that I've been working on. I, I, I'm going to be speaking to a group of young people and I'm trying to articulate that um, a young man hears these biblical truths and it's like, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. But how do you encourage them? To, no, no, no. Commit to it. So get up in the morning. Don't sleep in until two in the afternoon. Get it, Start doing stuff because that is the godly way and you will be blessed and you will grow and you'll become more like Jesus Christ. Yeah. How, how do you persuade a young person? Things like, look, you need to be a member of a local church. Now, articulate the mindset that should desire that. You tracking with me? I think I am. You you tell me after I attempt to answer this if I'm tracking. I always appreciate when a person starts off with the biblical case and they paint it not in a thou shalt or else you will, but a vision of the good life. So start with the start with the portrait of where do you want to be when you're late thirties? You want to be living at home. And do you want to be dependent on mom and dad to provide for you? Is that, is that what really excites you? I mean, fundamentally. No, most men are thinking in high school years, early college, like, I want to be standing on my own two feet. I want to be a provider for my household to whatever degree that looks like. I want to be independent for sure. Own a home, be able to provide for cars to my home. Okay, well, if that's what you want then I can say that's what God wants for you. Not in a materialistic way, but God wants you to be a hard worker and a provider in that way. So instead of me saying, y'all are a lazy generation. This generation right. is, right. they're just lazy. They don't know how to work hard. I honestly think the young men are gone. Like you've just lost all of them. But if you say, you know what? The thing that you want is actually what God wants in this and doing it the way that he is prescribed by honoring him through his word is the means to getting that level of independence, which comes from working hard, preparing the yoke in your youth. That's, that's exactly the direction that I'm thinking. Also, the willingness to commit to it for the long term, because I think most of us would prefer a quick fix. So, okay, I'll work hard on Monday. I didn't get a raise in the corner office on Tuesday. No, just commit to it because it's the right thing to do. It's the godly way to live. And ultimately, you'll see the fruit sometime. But it's the, I gotta have it immediate or I quit. Yes. This, this generation almost has to be coached. And I find this generation to be receptive. And, I, and I'm talking about high school, college. That's typically where I'm teaching. Uh, this generation has to hear that your first job is not the place that you most likely dreamed of. You're going to work in your first job and do things that you didn't anticipate. And the reason you went to college or trade school or learned to craft is so that you could continue to move to that more enjoyable position and more enjoyable. So your, your first position is not going to be the one you dreamed of. Reverse engineer, when you turn 30, at the age of 30, you can potentially have your dream job or starting your dream field, but there's 10 or 12 years of grinding. It's just going to, it's just going to take some time, but you'll grow weary and you're going to throw in the towel if your motive is, oh, I'm just going to be able to have the stuff that I really dig. Well, no, that's not going to help you to create endurance. It's got to be, I'm committed to doing things God's way. I, I tend to think of Psalm 1, blessed is the man, and it show, you follow the statutes, you think on God's word, and look at all the fruit, that, not so the ungodly. And I find, especially for Christian young men and women, well, yes, I do have my foot in the pre precepts of God, but I still go to the university. And you think that you've got a foot in both worlds when the reality is, no, you actually have two feet in the unbiblical world. Mm. You've got to have both feet planted, committed. I am going to do things God's way, trusting he knows better than I do. Yes. Committing your way to the Lord. 
Oh, look at that, a Bible verse. Look at you. You think you're a biblical counselor or something. All right, minute. All right. All right. Another another word that describes a biblical man I thought was rather interesting. Uh, chivalry, honoring women was a term that you used to say, that's what a biblical man is. Yes. Are we talking about pulling out the chair, the opening the car door? Yes, maybe, depending on how they relate to you. So my my basic thesis in that episode was to say, look, you have to identify who this lady is and how she relates to you. And after you've done that, you then treat her accordingly. And there's two general categories. It's as a sister or as a mother. So I'm going to treat you like I would my own sister, or if you're older than I am, I'm going to treat you like a mother. So yes, there are times when I'm opening doors, I'm holding bags, I'm grabbing a jacket or sharing a jacket. And then there are times whenever I'm holding back on doing those things because I I don't want to miscommunicate, hey, I'm not going to give my jacket to a total stranger lady and I don't want to give off the wrong impression. But in the end, my goal is to act honorably to all women. And as a man, I see that it is a special duty that I have. God has given me the strength he has given to us as men to protect women and to honor them, not to exploit them and or use them. So you're going to a door and you see a woman coming behind you, you open it, and she says to you, do you think I need the help of a man? Are you going to insist she go through it, or will you walk through it and say, my bad? I would, yes, every time I would choose the latter, I would say, my apologies. I wanted to simply show honor to you, but you do what you feel is best. And leave it at that. But most women, your contention is most women, if it isn't done with the well, let me take care of that for you, Toots. That's right. They're going to uh, probably appreciate it. I have yet, and, and I know my experience is not authoritative, but I have yet to experience a circumstance where me or my boys open a door for a lady and she say, how dare you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I've, I've just never experienced that. No, and you probably won't because that's what it means to be a biblical man. Dr. Greg Gifford, the Transform podcast, I commend it to you most heartily. And don't miss Transform, the TV show. It comes with a study guide for Sunday school and youth groups. Dr. Gifford, thank you very much. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>